the Word of God to Revelation 2. I uh, had a message all prepared this morning. I had a message all prepared for tonight. And uh, I just can't get peace about it walking in this room this evening. So I want to forget the notes and let's look tonight if we can. Talking for a few minutes. It may be five minutes and it may be 50 minutes. I don't know. But I just want to be obedient to what I think the Lord is speaking to my heart tonight in Revelation 2. So many of us have been so beaten up with life. And you know who we are. I didn't say you. I said you know who we are. There are problems that come our way, even to the point that sometimes you get ready to go to church, you, you ask yourself, what am I going back for? What's the point? Anybody ever feel that way? What's the point? I've been on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night for years and years and years. And if you look around, you see a lot of folk are not here tonight. Perhaps they've asked themselves the same question. What's the point? I don't think church exists to see what I can get out of it. I believe the Lord has raised up the church to see what we can put into it. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, we're living in some unprecedented hour. We're living in some unprecedented days. And the devil, and I believe there is a real devil out there. I don't want to blame everything on him. But I believe he's angry. I believe he's working overtime because he knows his days are limited. And he knows that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. And he wants to do everything that he can to rob, to kill, and to destroy to depress you, to defeat you, to divide us, and to make sure that we do not make heaven to be our home. He's working overtime to do that. I believe that we need to be more God conscious than we need to be devil conscious, but I also believe we need to understand that there's a devil out there working overtime to try to frustrate us and get us to throw in the towel. The Bible said in the last day there would be a great falling away. And that means there'll be a lot of people that are falling away. People that knew the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm appalled at the number of preachers I'm reading about today that say, I no longer want to serve the Lord. Singers, so-called gospel singers, I, I no longer believe in this one called Jesus Christ. And the list goes on and on. That is apostasy. apostasy. People that knew the Lord and blatantly walk away. Let me tell you, if you and I do not encourage ourselves in God, if we do not stay in the Word of God, if we do not stay in a closet of prayer, we will be eaten up, spit out by the devil himself and leave nothing but the bones on this highway of saying that's what they used to be but they're not anymore. I'm going to tell you, this world we live in is not a playground. It indeed is a battleground. Amen. And the only way we're going to win it is if we have an understanding, we have a goal in mind. If all we have in mind is going to church week in and week out, that's not what it's all about. I'm planning on going to heaven one day. I'm planning on having a climax of this thing called Christianity. Uh, the Lord did not save you and me just to stay in this world. He saved us out of the world that we might go back into the world to tell people about the love of God for one day we all are going to leave this world and we're going to go home. If there was not a place called heaven, and there is, thank God for it, it would still be worth serving God just for the sheer joy and the peace of mind that we have with knowing Him in this world. But brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, we are in a battle, and the enemy wants to throw in his heaviest artillery and do everything he can to dissuade us uh, from continuing to serve God. I've never in my life seen more Christians discouraged than I'm seeing today. I've never seen more Christians depressed than I'm seeing in my lifetime than today. I've never seen more Christians bewildered as to who to believe and what to believe than what I'm seeing today. Why is that? Because we are living in the last days. But many of us are in the last days, D-A-Z-E. We're kind of lulled to sleep, dazed as to what's going on. But let me tell you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. The problems may intensify in your life before they get better. Yeah. 
The burden may get heavier in your life and mine before they get better. Hell may vomit out more demons on us than we think we can handle than we've ever seen before. But if we have the Word of God, and we have the blood of Jesus Christ, and we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there will be no weapon formed against us that will be able to prosper. What I'm saying, if you'll forgive me for being blunt, let's take off our diapers and put on the big boy bloomers, friend, because we're in this thing for keeps tonight. And I believe that we're going to see a sifting like we've never seen in modern day Christianity. It's a sifting between those that profess to know the Lord and those that really know the Lord and those that really know the Lord. Oh, you're going to go through times of persecution. You'll suffer persecution and the godly will suffer persecution. But by the grace of God, we're going to make it for the glory of the Lord. So enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoy His Word. Enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. Enjoy each other. Lean on each other. Pray for each other because each other is all we got. I said each other is all we have tonight. With that being said, look at me in Revelation 2. Begin reading in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things said he which hath a sharp sword but two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against you, because you, 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 thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit fornication. So hast, them, thou, thou, so hast thou also them that hold to the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Here we have the church of Pergamos, one of seven churches that, that Jesus referred to in Revelation 2 and 3. Pergamos was not on any of the main roads as was Ephesus or Smyrna, but Pergamos had a special place in history during that particular time. Pergamos was a place of great literary, as a place of tremendous commercial endeavor. It was, I had a library there, if memory serves me correctly, that had not less than 200,000 parchment rolls. It was second only in comparison uh, to some of the major libraries in some of the major cities of that particular day. Here was a church that had, here was a, a city uh, that was well off. It had all types of activities going on. It was hustle and bustle in the street. Uh, people were, were rich. They were wealthy. Uh, there were people that had all types of religions and all types of this, that, and the other. But in the midst of all of it, the Bible said it was a place where Satan's seat dwelt. I remind you today, we can all think of places where Satan's seat really is. Uh, we think of Hollywood. Uh, we think of some of the, uh, the, the great cities where there's all types of vices and sins. Uh, we can think of all of those places. Let me tell you, Satan has set up his headquarters in the atmosphere of this heaven. And today, I believe with all of my heart, 
uh, that he's making a last day stand against everybody. Pergamos was a church, or not a church rather, but Pergamos uh, was a city that's about as well off as any city could be, but it was as wicked as any city could be as well. But in the midst of all of that wicked place, the Lord did have a church. It was a church that was in love with the Lord. It was a church that was not perfect. It's a church that had some bad doctrine within the midst, a church that had some false teaching within the midst. But in the midst of all of that, uh, there was a church where there was at least one man who had been faithful unto the call of God. Brothers and sisters, that tells me in the last day, we're going to have a professing church. And there's going to be people in that church that truly know the Lord, and there are going to be people that act like they know the Lord, and really they don't. There'll be false doctrines coming into the church. Uh, there'll be apostasy coming into the church. Uh, there will be people with good charisma and polished a se a season and polished preachers and teachers uh, that they speak with a forked tongue in that uh, the doctrines that they preach will be false. And if we are not careful today, if we don't have a good knowledge, a working knowledge of the Word of God, we will be duped by their popular message. We will be deceived by their charisma. We'll be deceived by the gifts that they're used in. We'll be deceived by some of the things they teach and the things that they do. But here was a man by the name of Antipas who refused to compromise, and he was a martyr for the cause of Jesus Christ. He may not have been popular at the Christians. He may the so-called Christians. He may not have been popular among the religious people of that day, but he sure was popular with God in heaven. And I believe the Lord is looking for men and women today that'll stand up to be different in a world that's going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, he said we are to be a peculiar people. Not that we're peculiar in what we do, but perhaps peculiar in that we are listening to the Word of God and obeying what the Word of God uh, tells us to obey in this hour in which we are living. The Bible Bible lets me know that in this last day God is going to have a church. And it's not going to be a church made up of, uh, of religious people, but it will be a church that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. False doctrine will not bring it down. Charismatic people will not bring it down. And I mean that in the wrong way, not the right way. I'm talking about people that, 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 are, that are false in their doctrine and false in their teaching, but they have a charismatic personality about them. The Lord said, I will build my church. And tonight we have to make up our mind, are we in the church or are we in the church? You see, there's a church within the church. And what I mean by that is this, that's the wheat and the tare as they grow together. There are those that profess to know the Lord. There are those that do works in the name of the Lord. There are those that do this in the name of the Lord. But Jesus said, I never knew you. Uh, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Those are those, the ones that profess to know the Lord and don't. But there are those that really know the Lord Jesus Christ in the free pardon of sin. We know our names are written in the land book of life. Nothing that we've done on our own, but everything that, thank God, he's done for us. But it's not enough uh, to say, Lord, save my soul and let me ship it off to heaven and then let me live my life any way I want to. No, the Lord wants our soul to be saved, but he is looking for a body tonight that he can dwell in and then he can live through upon this earth today. It's possible for your soul to be saved and you receive no rewards whatsoever at the judgment because you did not let him be the Lord of your life. But it's impossible for him to have access to our body and our soul be lost. Oh, how I want to be part of the true church tonight. 
And yet we see with Antipas that he was true to the call of God and true to his faith in God. I don't know if the man was burned in oil. I don't know if they filleted him alive. I don't know if they fed him to the den of lions. But I know one thing. He said, I am not going to compromise my faith in Jesus. I'm not going to compromise the integrity of God's word. And I am not going to cow down to anything the devil says that I've got to do. Here was a man that was willing to lay down his life. Now, friend, uh, we know that Satan's seat was there in Pergamum. It said that Pergamos was built upon a hill. And, and there was also temples built to Zeus and other gods. And there were sacrifices, uh, pagan sacrifices, that were given uh, there on the altars uh, to Zeus and other false gods. And the smoke would rise every day into the nostrils of God. And what a stench it was. God hates religion. God does not like religion. And I don't think he gives a hoot about religious people. But I believe tonight he has his eye upon the sparrow. He has his eye upon the children of God. And he knows those that said, I believe in Jesus, and I sell out to him lock, stock, and barrel. But in the midst of where Satan's seat is, God said, I have a church. Not just any church. Not just a church in name, but a church that sold out lock, stock, and barrel to Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I remind you today, it's not going to be easy to serve God. So we're living in the last day, and Satan is bringing in his heaviest artillery. He's using every trick in the book that he can think of today. And one of the things he tries to do is to discourage us in our faith. If I was to ask for raise hands, if I were to ask tonight, how many are discouraged? I've got a feeling many of our hands would go up. How many depressed? I believe many of our hands would go up. How many are just barely hanging on? I believe many of our hands would go up. Well, preacher, you're talking about defeat. No, I'm not. I'm talking about a reality. And the reality is that there's something of Jesus Christ in every one of us that Satan wants to take away, to rob, to kill, and to destroy. And therefore, all hell is breaking loose against the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. The attacks are there. Many years ago, a man gave a sermon and talked about how that the enemy was always a combatant and coming against people. And he said, is there anybody in this auditorium that Satan does not bother? And one lady raised her hand. He said, lady, would you come up here? I want to shake your hand. And boy, she ran up to that front. He shook her hand and began to squeeze. They hit your knees, ma'am, because you couldn't know the Lord. As long as the enemy's chasing us, he doesn't have us. But if he's not chasing us in some way, I've got to ask myself, am I doing anything worthy of the kingdom of God? Satan comes against the people of the living God. And he does everything he can. He brings in that heaviest artillery. And one of the tricks he has up his sleeve is simply this. If he cannot beat you down, if he cannot wear you out, one of the things he'll try to do is get you and me to compromise our convictions in the Lord. How many people are compromising today their convictions that Jesus has given? I've heard people throughout this hour in which I live they say, well, I joined the church, so therefore I'm a Christian. Friend, this world is going to be destroyed by fire. And every man-made religious book and every man-made church book is going to be destroyed by fire. And it's not going to survive. But if our names are written down in the land's book of life in the celestial city of God, heaven will be our home. Amen. Well, preacher, I, I signed the book. I, surely I'm a Christian. No, 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 I don't want anybody to take this wrong, but this is the way it was many years ago. 
among some of our Baptist friends. As long as they had their name in the church book, they thought they were ready to meet the Lord. I know for talking to Baptist preachers. And one day, one of the Baptist friends of mine, he purged his membership roll. Had like 600 on the roll, 200 people in the church. And he sent letters, you're not in church on Sunday. We're kicking you out of church. And boy, they had a revival. They all showed up because they thought salvation and church membership was one and the same. Friend, you might as well sign your name on a barn door because it'll get you as far when it comes to the kingdom of God. I've heard people say, well, all they got to do is be baptized. You know, some folk think heaven's an island and you got to swim to get there. They believe in water regeneration, baptismal regeneration. It's not the power is not in the tub of water. The power is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can be baptized, ever crawl down in the river, knows you be your first name. You'll go down a dry center and you'll come out of wet when you've got to be born again. But the devil don't want you to be born again. He wants you to be religious. Just make a deal with the preacher. That's like making a deal with the devil. No preacher died for you. No preacher's blood was shed for you. And no preacher can get you to heaven. Talked to a man some time ago. And he said, I don't know if my wife made it to heaven, but can we have a service just to make sure we can push her over there? Literally, I said, it doesn't work that way, Steve. You've got to have peace with God. But there are so many doctrines today that waters down the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's compromise. If Satan cannot wear us out, he will try to get us to compromise the convictions of God's Word. By the same token, I remind you, it's not easy to pray today like it used to be. How many of you find it very easy to pray? How many of you find it difficult to pray? Why? Because we know where Satan's seat is. His seat is in the atmospheric heavens right above us. And every time we pray, we don't hop down on one knee, mutter a few words in the presence of God and get victory. We've got to pray our prayers through all the opposition that hell can throw our way because he wants you to be quiet and he doesn't want God's voice to come to your ear. Prayer is not so much me trying to have a conversation with God to tell him what I want on earth. I believe prayer is not really prayer until God has spoken to us to tell us what he wants us to do on this earth. Prayer is vitally important. And many times we just give up in prayer because it's hard on the flesh. In the last days before Jesus went to the cross, he had the disciples say, will you watch with me an hour as I go in the garden and get somebody to pray? They went to sleep on the job. I don't think they did it because they didn't love Jesus. I don't think they went to sleep because they were all that tired. I think they went to sleep because they got caught up in the spirit of the age that they were living in. It's so easy for you and me to get caught up in the spirit of the age that we're living in. And the enemy, if he can't get you to compromise, if he cannot beat you down, he will rock us to sleep in his cradle. Little fold of the hands, ease in Zion. And next thing you know, what happened, God? I don't sense your presence. You know, we have a story in the Bible in the Old Testament about a man by the name of Samson. Samson was a strong man. His strength came not from his long hair. His strength came from the fact he was, had the Nazarite vow. And he got, you know, women always got him in trouble. He had female troubles everywhere he went. He goes with Delilah. And she said, where does your strength lie? And he kept compromising and compromising and compromising. And every time as she'd ask him something, he'd give a liar an answer and get closer and closer to the, to the, to the truth. And he said, shake himself and, 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 and the Spirit of God come upon him. But when he got the last haircut in the devil's barbershop, 
A razor has never touched my hair. And as soon as it does, I'll be, strength will be gone, and I'll be like any other man. And there he is, lying in her lap. The Philistines come. Chop, 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 chop. Samson, the Philistines are on you. I'll shake myself as before, not knowing that the power had left. And sometimes when we flirt with sin, and we flirt where we don't need to be, and if we don't have that relationship with God through prayer and Bible study and an intimate relationship with Him, friend, let me tell you, we shake ourselves and we don't know the anointing is left. The presence of God is gone in our life. Why? The enemy wants to keep us down. And I find in this hour in which we live, the more depressed I get, the more discouraged I get, the more burdens that I carry, and the more weight that's on my shoulder, the less I want to pray. Anybody else like that? What do we do? It's easier to mumber. It's easier to mummer, murmur, to complain. It's easier to go into a deeper state of depression. And the whole time, if we would just say, Lord, I'm not going to let anything rob me of my relationship with you. We have to pray our prayers through all the opposition that hell can hover over us. But is it worth it? Yes, it is. I think that's why it's very important that we be people that pray in the Spirit. There are times I don't know how to pray as I should. There are times I run out of the words to say in English. There are times I cannot articulate to God in prayer what I feel. That's why I like to read the book of Psalms. And boy, I wish I'd have said that because that's exactly how I feel, David. But there are times I find no help uh, through the Psalms that I feel like I need. I don't find any help in my articulating prayer to God in English. But if I just turn loose and let the Spirit of God pray through me, I may not know what I've said when I'm done. But I know my prayer has jetted through the powers of darkness. And I've touched him who sits upon that throne. Satan will do everything he can to beat us up and hold us down. But God's going to have a church in this last day, just like he had a church in Pergamos. Where Satan see that, he's all around us. In the Old Testament book of Psalms, it talked about, we see not our signs, but we see the ensigns of the enemy has been here. You walk around different places, you look in the lake, you see beer bottles and beer cans, and, and you see all kinds, of, you say, well, drunkards have been here, people drinking been here. You go over here and, and you see uh, a little marijuana sticks they had, well, you know people smoking dope's been here. We see the signs of the enemy around us wherever we go. Flip on your TV, it's there. Look at the streets of our cities. Read the newspapers about what's happening in Tampa and in Central Florida and Lakeland. It's all around us everywhere we go. But where are the signs of people that have been in the presence of God? Antipas was a man that said, I'm not going to compromise. They may have religion. Satan's seat may be around, but I want something of God that I can stand true unto the very end. He wasn't faithful until the end. He was faithful unto the end. And there's a big difference. He was faithful unto the end. And God's looking for that kind of people that I'm going to tell you, friend, I, I, I don't want to discourage you. But buckle up. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Are you with me? Well, I don't like that kind of preaching. Preacher, I want to go where they make me feel good in 30 minutes. Well, go. Yeah. But I want to tell you the truth of God's Word tonight. All hell is going to come against the church. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. We overcome daily by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. No weapon formed against us will be able to prosper. He'll come huffing and he'll come puffing. 
And we may shake standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ, but I tell you what, the rock upon which we stand will never move, it'll never crumble, it'll never be moved because we know in whom we have believed and we are persuaded that our God is able to keep that against that day. Whatever we commit to Him. It's not easy to serve God. All hell's coming against us, church. The media's against you. The government seems to be against us. Our neighbors can be against us. Our best friends can turn against us. Family members can turn against us. You name it, it's coming against us today to the point we say, but why, why? I'll tell you why, because you have God inside you, the Holy Spirit's inside you, and Satan wants to rob you of God's presence, God's power, God's favor, God's peace, and he wants to rob you of heaven being your home. It's not easy to serve God. But I'll tell you one thing. Somebody said, preacher, how much do you think God's for me? I believe God would bankrupt heaven before he let the devil move me one inch. I believe if I was the only man upon this earth that wanted to serve God, I believe he'd stop making moons and stars and he'd knock every devil in the head that he could to say, that's my boy, that's my son. He's been washed in my blood. He belongs to me. You lose him and you let him go. If you and I will have a faith in God, he will fight the battles for us. How much is God for you? He'd move the world on your behalf. He'd move the world on your behalf. But pastor, where is this God? You tell me, how much time have you spent with him? How much have you complained and murmured? Say amen, somebody. Do we allow the situations to get us down? I do. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching what I've lived. We allow situations to get us down. And you wake up and say, dear God, how could I have been so blinded? It's the enemy trying to, an enemy had done this. But let's give no place to the devil. It's not easy to serve God. But I'll tell you one thing, my friend. If you want to serve God, there's no devil in hell that can stop you. You can live for God in the school wherever hellhounders out there smoking dope and pushing rusty needles in their veins and they're smoking them left-handed cigarettes called marijuana and they're turning that liquor bottle up to their mouth and they're doing all this stuff. If you want to serve God, there is nobody and there's no devil in hell that can get you to compromise your faith in God. My heart was sad when I saw this morning the lighthouse guy, the last one. Was it Joe? Raised in church on a worship team went to a Christian college and got the wrong crowd in Christian college, ended up on drugs and alcohol. How does it happen? How does it happen? We cannot live off of yesterday's experiences. We've got to have an up-to-date experience with God every day. And apparently Joe got with the crowd, if that was his name, so easy to compromise. You can live for God at home. You may be the only one in your family serving God. But there ain't no devil in hell can stop you. And I believe with all of my heart, friends, if you and I would just be the light we're supposed to be, that light will burn and flicker. During the time of Benjamin Franklin, the streets of Pennsylvania were very, very wicked and, 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 and just evil. And all this wickedness would take place at night where there were no lights. And Ben Franklin tried to give a decree. Everybody light a light in front of your house and nobody would do it. And he would preach and he would tell and, and he would want to pass laws and everything he could. He would tell people, light a lantern in front of your house. Just light a lantern and it'll put light out. Nobody would do it. So one night Ben Franklin said, I'll do it. 
So he got a little gas lantern, put it out in front of his house. It illuminated everything, and no crime took place around his house. His neighbors started doing it, his neighbors started doing it, and his neighbors started doing it. Next thing you know, all of Philadelphia had lamps burning in their yards, and the crime rate went down. And he learned by that that you can do more by your action and accomplish more by your action than you will by the words that you say. And it comes the same way when serving the Lord. If you would be faithful in school, if you'd be faithful on the job, if you'd be faithful in the home, you don't have to preach to people. They will see what you mean. They will see who you are, and they'll say, I want that. I remember years ago, I may have shared this story, I'm sure I did, but a little little girl, every year they had youth camp. Everybody despised this one girl because she was uh, almost like the devil incarnate. I mean, she was just wicked. And nobody enjoyed being her counselor. So one year, after about four or five years, she was still there, and one year a new counselor came to the camp. And they all said, oh, we'll pawn her off on the new counselor. And they did. And sure enough, the new counselor was all excited about her, her, her cabin. And sure enough, that little girl was up to her little mean tricks. She was short-sheeting the bed, putting toothpaste in her shoes, running her underwear up the flagpole. You name it, she did it. Just a typical mean little girl. But the last night of the service at that youth rally, that little girl gave her heart to Jesus. And the preacher went, finally, what did I finally say that got through to you? She said, nothing. Well, why did you give your life to the Lord? She said, I've been coming for four years. I've tried every one of these counselors, and they blew up. They got mad and aggravated. But I tried this woman, and I want what she's got because she never blew up on me one time. You see, sometimes people want to see what we're going through and how we handle it. People, people don't care about your experience in God, but they'll take knowledge of God's experience in you. And if you and I will simply be faithful and let our light shine wherever we're, we can live for God. My dad, God rest his soul. Hard-working man, but drank, smoked, chewed, spit, and ran with those that did, gambled, etc., etc. The night I gave my heart to the Lord... 18 years old. Came home and told my mom, and she cried because she wasn't a Christian. My two sisters, I think, were too young to really understand. When Dad came home, I told him, and he just walked away. It hurt. I was shy in my faith. Months went on, and my two sisters got saved in the kids' crusade. Months went by, my mother got saved. My dad just kept getting meaner, meaner. But he began to, I know, watch my life. There'd be something come across the TV that I, four-letter word, I'd get up and go to my room, and he'd get up and turn the TV off. Little by little, he began to watch me. He kept getting more impossible to live with, if that's the case, because of conviction. He started, he used to, he'd go to church some when I was growing up, and he'd have to go out between church and Sunday school and give him a drink of fifth of liquor underneath the seat before he'd go back in and handle church. I mean that for, for sure. But I recall how that he started coming to the Assembly of God Church, and he got under conviction. I know he did. But to make a long story short, and you've heard me say this before, first sermon ever preached, I watched my dad come to the altar and give his heart to Jesus. 
the man changed. He was transformed. He was redeemed. And it all starts, I believe, by letting the light shine. And the darker the darkness of this world, the more satanic involvement of this world, the more pressures from society of this world, the darker it gets, the brighter our lights can shine. It's not going to be easy to serve God, but you can serve God in the place of business. Again, they may be telling their dirty jokes. They may be committing adultery and fornication, you name it. They might be doing all these things, but you can live for God. I remember when I first got saved, I got a job in a minor machinery factory up in the mountains of, West Virginia, or mountains of Virginia. I walked in intimidated by that crew. They had some ungodly mouths on them like you would not believe. I tried to sit at lunch with some of the guys, and I mean, it was the bad words and cursing, you name it. So I just finally went by myself. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I did. I went by myself and read my Bible during lunch. There were 16 of us in that one department, if memory serves me correctly. We had a huge factory, huge, three shifts a day, huge. But in my particular bay in the electrical department, 16 of us. Me and a little guy, one of the little guy was Church of Christ, another little guy was Disciples of Christ, and they laughed at the dirty jokes, and they chewed tobacco, and they did all these other things. I'm not their judge, but I'm just telling you that to me, they compromised the things of God. The Lord laid on my heart to have devotions with those guys. You got to understand how shy and backward I was. I went to the boss and asked if I could do it before, before the whistle blew off, and he said, yeah. I went to the supervisor, and he said, yes. So I asked all the men, and most of them said yes. So five minutes before the buzzer, five minutes to seven, I gathered together, and I'd open up the Word, and I would share, and my knees would knock because I was a long way from being a perfect kid, but I was forgiven. And I have a prayer over him that God would protect us and put a watch over our tongue and thoughts. We not sin against him and bless us and make us cognizant of his presence in our life. And one day, a guy by the name of Glenn Freeman. Glenn was a wicked man. If the place went on strike and you went across the picket line, he would throw a rock through your picture window of your house. He would hurt you and enjoy it. That's what kind of a guy he was. He had one tooth, enough dirt in his fingernails to start a subdivision. His hair was so greasy, looked like he changed oil in it. And he didn't like me, he didn't like Jesus, he didn't like what I was doing. And he told me, he said, I went to the supervisor and told him I wanted you to quit this, but he told me to go somewhere else in the morning and let me continue. I was fearful for my life, I ain't gonna lie to you, Glenn was crazy. But little by little, I saw men in that place get saved and give their heart to the Lord and give their heart to the Lord. And one of the guys that was so wicked pastored now a church that I used to pastor. God saved him, filled the Spirit, and called him into ministry. But let me get back to old Glenn. Glenn walked into early one morning. Uh, he was all clean shaven. His hair had been changed a little bit. And fingernails cleaned up. And that one tooth just smiling. Just shiny. He walked in and said, I want everybody to gather around. We all gathered around in fear and trepidation. This is Glenn. I just want you all to know that this past Sunday I went to church and gave my heart to Jesus. Anybody got a problem with that? <laughs> Let me tell you, if you just let your light shine, 
He's not called us to make people believe, but he's called us to let our light shine so they can see what we believe in order that they might be able to believe it themselves. We are to be light of the world. It's not easy to serve God, but it can be done in the house. It can be done in the school. It can be done in the place of business if you'll just let Jesus live in you and live through you. God said, I'm going to have a church. I'm going to have a church. Right in the midst of where Satan's seat is, I will have a church. What's going on in your world? Is Satan huffing and puffing in your life and trying to bring you down, get you to compromise, get you to throw up your hands in frustration and quit? We've all been there, friend. We're not in this thing by ourselves. We've all been there. But I'm here to tell you, if you want to serve God, there's nothing in this world that can stop you, and there's nothing of the underworld that can stop you as well. God said, I will have a church. Now, Jesus Christ, to my knowledge, never wrote a book but libraries are filled with books written about him. To my knowledge, he never took up an offering, but multi-millions of dollars are given in his name to propagate the gospel that he, he founded. To my knowledge, he never built a building, but beautiful edifices are built around the world in honor of Jesus Christ. To my knowledge, he was never in the military, but today he's the commander-in-chief of the greatest army in the world. And we're marching on in the name of the Lord. Why should we put our trust in him and not Allah or Buddha? Because there ain't nobody like Jesus. There ain't anybody like Jesus. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died upon the cross for your sins and mine and the sins of the world. They mocked him, they laughed at him, they spit upon him, crucified him and said, you're dead, but he outlived the pallbearers and said, I was he that was alive and died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And he went back to the right hand of God the Father after being seen on this earth for 40 days. But before that, he defeated the devil in every way that he could. And he said, the same works I do, you'll do. The same power I had, you'll have. And he says, you can live for me. Church, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Amen. It's not about being goody two-shoes. It's about fulfilling and walking in his shoes. And tonight I want you to know, it may get harder before it gets easier. Nowhere does it say in the Word of God that we'll have an easy life. He did say we would have a safe landing over on the other side. My heart breaks for many of us and what we're going through. But Jesus feels what you feel. He knows what you're going through. And he wants to help. He's not a thousand million miles away. If his eyes are upon the sparrow, his eyes are upon you. If God takes care of the sparrows, God will take care of you and me. I close with this. Yesterday we looked out the window and I said, look at those sparrows. I don't know, about five, six, eight of them. I don't, they were out there just there. And there's a nest. And this afternoon while it was raining, I walked out the back and those little sparrows were just having a great time. It was cloudy. It was overcast. It was rainy. And the wind was blowing. And it didn't matter to them one iota. God has his hand on the sparrows. It may be cloudy in your world. It may be storming in your world. It may be upside down tonight. No way out of it whatsoever. But you can rest as cool as a seed in the center of a cucumber tonight if you'll keep your eyes upon Jesus. He's coming back for a church that has not compromised, 
that's not beating up. Friend, somebody said, oh, if I can just make it to heaven and hear the gates close behind me. Friend, first of all, the gate's not going to close. And secondly, I just don't want to barely make it to heaven. I want to make it right in the city, center of that city like I was shot out of an Atlas missile. And you can have the anointing of God in your life to get you there. Father.